Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday. We're almost to the weekend, which is kind of crazy to believe, even though it was a three-day weekend. But we're almost there to the weekend, and there's football on tonight. Hope if anybody is a football fan, people are looking forward to the Chiefs and Texans game tonight and for the first official weekend of football on Sunday. Then there's there's so much to really get into, and there's a lot going on in the world of Hollywood that I want to talk about. I'm going to be giving my reviews for Mulan and I'm thinking about ending things, which came out on Netflix this past Labor Day weekend. I'm also going to get into the first trailer for Freaky and the weekend preview. But the first thing that I do want to talk about is a really big article that came out yesterday on Deadline that really points to what studios could be looking to and forward to in the theatrical landscape of 2020 in the wake of the coronavirus. And last weekend, Tenet, here at least domestically in the United States, really kind of kicked things off of reopening theaters and getting blockbusters back onto the big screen even though it was only at 40% capacity for all theaters. And a majority of the bigger markets, LA and New York specifically, do not have their theaters open as of right now due to local and state governments not allowing the official reopening to happen just yet because of safety guidelines that they still are implementing and slowly reopening indoor areas. They New York just opened restaurants back up and again at 25%. Now that the fall season is in effect and the warm weather is going to go away soon and there will be colder weather. So you can't really do a lot of outside things. And because of coronavirus, a lot of indoor activities are still being looked at skeptically for theaters and, and, and being in a room together, even if you are wearing masks. But again, that's a different topic for another day. But when it comes to the theatrical window, some people are still skeptical of are should people be allowed to be back into theaters and it seems like a lot of studios are looking at that a little bit and like I said last week too a lot of eyes were on the opening weekend of Tenet and because this is in a COVID world that we're living in right now when it comes to the box office and because all the markets aren't open up right now you're going to look at the longer legs that Tenet can have instead of just the opening weekend but even when you still look at the opening weekend of Tenet for all that was really kind of hyped up for it to be even though worldwide tenant had a really good weekend internationally it's, it's really doing well and a lot of the theaters are showing how strong they have come to recover from covid and even though there are spots that are flaring back up and that there are some outbreaks happening here and there it seems like a lot of countries internationally have a good handle on what to do in the case of an outbreak happens but unfortunately here in the united states it doesn't seem like that's happening just yet and it only made around 20 million dollars its opening weekend which at first when you look at that it's not a too bad of a start but when you take into account that that is the 11 day total that it has brought in from canada and also from the august 31st to september 2nd early screenings that tenant brought to theaters it's it's kind of a little bit of a, of a thud, not entirely, but it's nothing to really kind of look at and be like, this is kind of confidence to look at. But again, it's the, the race that you want to win. It's not the leg that you want to win. 
And so from this report from Deadline, it's sounding like a lot of studios are looking at the opening weekend with Tenet and might be looking at making at some moves for what could happen down the line. And so according to the Deadline article, Warner Brothers is potentially looking at shifting Wonder Woman 1984 again to either November or December and specifically December 18th, taking away the spot that Dune has, which just had its drop of a trailer yesterday and had a lot of buzz, positive buzz going for it, and taking Dune away from December 18th of this year and moving it to sometime in 2021. And they still need to figure out a date for that time period because if they do move it to 2021, that year is already crowded with a lot of major blockbusters that were moved from this year to next year. So they're going to have to try to find a spot for it. And also the big proponent for why they would move it is, again, because a lot of the major markets are shut down and California is slowly opening back up again, but their main one in L.A. is still shut down. They want to have the major eastern and western seaboard side markets open back up again and if these reports are to be taken into account it seems like the state governments of both those areas specifically in in california and new york will be comfortable enough in opening up their theater markets either in early october and late september and if warner brothers were to put out their movie with Wonder Woman in October, it would basically be eating into Tenet's box office intake. And they really just want to focus on one movie at a time at this point. In in a case where if Tenet were to come out this on on Labor Day weekend and they had a month to themselves for the box office, they'd be fine in a normal world of having Wonder Woman open on October. But again, in a world that is COVID right now, you want to make sure that your box office intake is something of a positive upward take. And if you don't have the major markets right now, that may hinder you a little bit. So if those markets are looking to open up right now, then you want your one movie to have as much time as it possibly needs. And you don't want to kind of have one, two movies from the same studio eating into each other. You want to make sure both of them have a nice long box office legs moving forward in this kind of world that we're in right now. And for Wonder Woman move to December, it would make a lot of sense. I don't think it'd be moving to November because right now you still have no time to die, Soul and Black Widow in that month of November. And those three blockbusters alone are going to be fighting for the people's dollar. And we don't know what it's going to be like towards the end of 2020 and how this virus is really shaping up and the kind of effects that it's going to have now that the flu season is coming to effect and colder weather will be taking its its resurgence back into the United States. So those are a lot of questions moving forward with it. And according to the article as well, talking about the release dates of Black Widow and No Time to Die and Wonder Woman, this is what Deadline had to say about potential other studios and the ramifications of Wonder Woman moving to December and knocking Dune off to 2021. There's a possibility, according to Deadline, we could see Wonder Woman 1984 going somewhere in November. Yes, November. There are whispers, and Disney would not confirm today that its Marvel movie Black Widow could move from its November 6th release date. If it does, Wonder Woman 1984 could land there, which would put it back in a first November weekend spot that it at one point had in 2019. There's also the Wednesday before Thanksgiving opening, though many believe it would be tentpole suicide if the Patty Jenkins-directed movie 
comes anywhere near Black Widow in MGM's James Bond movie No Time to Die on November 20th. And given the danger of cannibalizing audiences, there's also talks about there that Disney Pixar Soul could go to Disney Plus. So a lot of ramifications could come from this, say if Disney is looking at Tenet's box office and saying, you know what, we're not really so comfortable in people thinking that theaters are safe at this point. They might think that later down the line, if there's a vaccine or or some other positive news coming back before they come back to theaters, we might as well just take our movies and move to 2021. And Warner Brothers might be the only possible films that are out for the rest of the year. And I do think that if Mulan does decent, and we're not going to hear the VOD reports from Disney Plus on that movie until their quarter earnings report in November, then and so until we hear those numbers, we're not going to know anything of really that that's a, if it was a smart decision made by the part of Disney or not. But if we hear that Solo is moving to Disney Plus, then I think we could take that as a sign that Mulan did good enough numbers, money, whatever, that they decided to move that to their streaming service. So I think Soul could be the next thing that moves to Disney Plus. And if that does happen, it was a good indication that Mulan was a success for them on the streaming service. As for Black Widow and people wondering if Black Widow could move to D Plus, I don't think that's the case because when you think about Black Widow, you think about Marvel Studios, you think about the MCU, and that is the hottest franchise in the world at this moment in time. And especially here domestically, you want to make sure you have every single market ready to go for the theatrical experience. And you want to make sure you get that theater dollar instead of getting a VOD dollar where you might lose some money instead of making a potential billion dollars at the box office with an MCU movie. And I always thought not wholeheartedly was guaranteed, but I always thought that the upside for Black Widow was a billion dollars because coming off of Avengers Endgame, because the fact that Scarlett Johansson is a billable movie star, especially in this role, people would want to go back to this original Six Avenger, see her final adventure on the big screen. And again, I didn't, it had a potential billion dollar hit in its name, but it could have at least made $800 million, which is still a big, big intake for a a movie to make. So I think for any MCU movie, it's not going to go to Disney Plus, but something like a soul could very well find its way onto the streaming service. And again, all eyes are still going to be to see what Tenet does and really what Warner Brothers does. Warner Brothers at this point is the driving studio in navigating the theatrical experience and for theaters they got to be careful for this too because again amc regal they have always said the reason that they would open back up again is for major theatrical blockbusters coming to the big screen that would get people to go out once again they had that intended but they're not going to have that for the rest of september and if they don't have anything going on in october and wonder woman moves I don't think you're going to see Candyman stay on board. I don't think you're going to see any film in October stay on board. And then you bring it to maybe having something November or in December, maybe a film or two that's major that will draw people to the theaters. It's not going to be enough to sustain you for the rest of the year. So 
this is definitely going to be something interestingly to watch over the next month or so to see really what happens. And if I really had a bet, I do think that Wonder Woman does move. And especially hearing that they really, the major reason for why they want to move it is not because they're not satisfied with the box office intake, but they want to see Tenet really kind of extend and exhaust all its box office options. And if the major markets like LA and like New York are open by October, you want to make sure that Tenet exhausts all options before you go to Wonder Woman. So if Wonder Woman does move to December and things are looking up by November and and the end of 2020, then that is, I think, a viable other option to put that movie. And I think it would be a more accessible film that you could go to that is more of a four quadrant where you have appeal for everybody. Because as much as I love Christopher Nolan, and I know he's a bankable draw to the box office on a normal year, I do think that uh, it's always tricky for a director to kind of draw many, many people to the theaters for Christopher Nolan movie, whereas Wonder Woman, I think, has a better shot at doing that. So it's just it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with these movies going forward. Again, it's it's going to be something that I've been saying for many months, and it's still the case, changing day by day, hour by hour, week by week, and all these chess pieces are still in effect and are still going to be moving around in the year that is 2020. What do you guys think about this deadline article that came out talking about the potential moves that will be happening within the theaters, within the studios, and their films, and the chess match that is still going on in release dates for these major films? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And moving on to the only big trailer that came out today after the massive event that was the Denny Villeneuve first trailer drop of Dune yesterday. Today we got a smaller film that I think actually was unexpected and actually really entertained me, and that is the first trailer for the brand new Blumhouse film, Freaky. And it's directed by Christopher Landon, and it stars Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. And it's basically, if I were to describe this film, and a lot of people have been describing it this way, and I agree with it, is that it's a Freaky Friday meets Happy Death Day. And that is actually the film that Christopher Landon has done for Blumhouse, which is the Happy Death Day films. And it has that comedic horror sensibility to it. And I very much enjoyed it. I enjoyed the trailer. I love the swaps between the fact that it's a, a an awkward teenage girl that finds her, her personality swapped into the body of a serial killer and the serial killer's personality swapped into Catherine Newton's body. And to see those kind of personalities played off of one another is pretty funny and entertaining. And it has that, if you've watched Happy Death Day, it has those similarities in the tone, in the comedic and, and very over-the-top horror sensibilities that it has. And I've heard that this is a very gory movie. So it lines up for what Christopher Landon has done with the Happy Death Day films. And when you look at that first film that came out, it was a big hit for Blumhouse, which has been notorious with his movies for having low budgets, but sometimes having high rewards for the budgets that it's on and grossing over hundred million dollars 200 million dollars even sometimes grossing 80 million dollars is enough for Blumhouse movies to get into the black and out of the red and profitability because the budgets are so low on the films and overall
overall as well, for a majority of these Blumhouse films, they're thoroughly entertaining. Some of them are hits, are huge misses for Blumhouse, like Fantasy Island this year has been a huge miss. You've had the, there, there was a sorority film that came out last year that I forget the name of. That was a big miss for them. So over the years, they've had a few, but they'll come out with big hits, like they've had a Halloween, they've had a Happy Death Day, they've had a Get Out, which they were a part of. They've had, of course, The Invisible Man this year, which was a huge hit for them. And so I think for Blumhouse, this could be another surprise one for them that they come away smiling about. And I love the horror aspect of it. I love the the over the topness of it. I love the comedic sense that Vince Vaughn has, where he's kind of challenging or channeling, rather, I should say, his inner teenage girl. And, and so that was kind of funny to see. And I, I think I'm going to enjoy this one. The trailer definitely hooked me in. I knew nothing about this movie before this trailer, so it definitely hooked me in. And that's what you want a first trailer to do, especially for something you hear nothing about. This is what a trailer is supposed to do. Hook you in, get you excited about it. And the release date for it is on November 13th. So it is looking to come into theaters during the holiday time frame towards the end of 2020, whether it keeps that date or not. With COVID going around, we'll see, but definitely something to look forward to. And I think one that if it decided to go to VOD, I think it could do that probably with the budget that it probably has potentially under $10 million, it can do that. So either way, I think people should get excited for this film, whether it does come in theaters or on VOD. If it does decide to move away from the big screen debut, this is one to definitely check out and see the trailer for yourself. Moving on now to some film reviews that I want to get into. It's film review time on the Sam Bissell podcast. And usually I would do these in separate episodes and I'll probably cut these up from the this show and move it to my review section in which I individually do different reviews. So be on the lookout for those. But because there wasn't a whole lot of big movie news that came out, I decided, you know what, I'll include it on this show. But again, be on the lookout for the individual segments of these reviews and they'll be for Mulan and I'm thinking of ending things, the new film from Charlie Kaufman. But I'm going to get into the latest Disney live action retelling, which is Mulan, which was supposed to have its big screen theatrical debut on March 27th. Then literally the week of when it was supposed to happen, COVID really hit the United States and the rest of the world as well and shut a lot of things down. And because of that, like many, many films that have either pushed to 2021 or into the late 2020, it was delayed first from the beginning of March or the end of March rather to the middle of the summertime when during that time period when it was delayed in March, people thought, well, maybe by the summertime we can have movies back again. And obviously, as we've known from experiencing this summer, that wasn't the case at all. And it decided to move from then to late August. People were wondering it's going to follow step in step with Tenet and being one of the next films and first films to release in theaters. But Disney decided to go the VOD route and debut it on Disney Plus for a premiere access of $30 before being available for all Disney Plus subscribers on December 4th. So the big question has been, is this worth the $30? Which is what a lot of people have been wondering when reading the reviews for this. And is this worthy of a live action retelling? And the thing about this film has always been that it's gonna be very different from the animated film, the classic 1998 film with the songs of I'll Make a Man Out of You, Reflection, and really kind of making more of a grounded, gritty, war Asian epic that follows more in line with what they've talked about it following the folklore 
of Mulan instead of really following the 1998 film. And seeing the trailers, I was excited about it. And before really hearing that I was going to make it to VOD, it had this sweeping epic feel to it that was made for the theatrical screen. And one of the things I was wondering is, am I going to feel a little bit different about watching this on my television screen than I am seeing it in theaters? And unfortunately, I do have to say, even though I thought it was good, it still had some issues with the film. And I think one of the things was that I think I would have enjoyed watching this on a big screen instead of watching it on a television screen, which is still big, but it's not the big screen that you go see at a Cineplex. And you could just tell that the with the way that the action was shot, the way that you could see the the incredible sweeping locations that Nikki Kaur used were made for the big screen. And I think it took a little bit of the effect and that charm away from it. But overall, I, th- I thought this was an, an okay adaptation. I thought, and I said this in my review on my Facebook and my Twitter page, if you want to go see my general thoughts there, is that on the surface, this This film does everything right. It has the action, it has some really good heart to it, and it has some really good characters as well. And I think on the surface, people will enjoy this. But if you really get deeper into it, in the the characters and into some of the plot of it, it's very, very uneven. And I think there was a lot of potential in this movie that they just didn't really capitalize on. And again, I think Nikki Cairo did a great job in the direction of this film. I thought some of the cutting with the action was a little bit much. I would have loved, especially when you're talking about martial arts movies and kung fu, you want those long, long wide shots of the action taking place. You want to see the hand-to-hand fight choreography going on. And I think sometimes she would kind of cut to different shots while the action was going on. So your eyes were trying to adjust to every single time the action was taking place. And I think it just took away from that a little bit. And... I just think that when you look at the characters of in Mulan, some of them were completely underdeveloped. Not the main character, though. I thought Liu Yifei did an incredible job as Mulan. I think she really embodied that warrior spirit that they were really trying to go with. And I love the connection between her and her father, who is an incredible actor. He was in The Farewell. He's been in a lot of Chinese movies, and he's been in a, a tremendous actor overall for many, many years. And he deserves a lot more leading films and a lot more time in the spotlight than he's really gotten and he really stood out to me in this film and that connection between the two of them was really the most the heart of the movie but unfortunately you only really get it for the beginning and the ending of the film everything else just feels very wooden with Mulan's relationships with the characters when you look at the Donnie Yen character of playing kind of the general of this army you don't really kind of get into him you, you again on the surface you know who he is he's cool he's a swordsman he's a great warrior but that's pretty much it and and, and I feel like they try to get you something with the rest of the characters like her comrades and her love interest in the army but it just doesn't work as well and they're very wasted and unfortunately Donnie Yen and Jet Li who plays the emperor in this film are incredibly wasted in this film and given the talents of Jet Li and Donnie Yen and what you would want to see on the on the screen especially in a film like this they don't capitalize on that and giving you these incredible 
sequences that you would want to with these guys and they're really just useless in this movie unfortunately but again the 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 scope of it the cinematography is great and the one thing that i really really bugged me about the film was the addition of this new character who played this witch who was played by gong lee and i think gong lee did a, a really good job as an actress i think her performance was good not taking anything away from her whatsoever but overall, her character is pointless in this movie. She doesn't have any major effect on the story other than kind of at the very end. But other than that, she, she doesn't have an emotional arc that you can really kind of tug on and relate to. And I think it, it was just very pointless. And I think you should have just gone with the main general leader of this film, which I think he was one of the better characters that was somewhat developed than from the animated film. And another thing that I think is a positive from this film that works well is there there was no music. I don't think that the music, not having the music was a detriment to the film. I think I knew what they were going for. And I think they executed that very well of being this more grounded, gritty war film. But even within the action sequences themselves, the, the battles kind of felt very self-contained and they didn't feel like they were affecting this land as much and I think that is something that is a little bit of a detriment to maybe I don't know Nikki Cairo or or the I don't know if it was the extras department or, or, or someone it just felt a little bit off and I could see the money that was put behind this movie it wasn't like it was put to waste but I would have loved a little bit more of an of a war feel to it that I didn't kind of get I got a little bit of it but not a whole lot like I was expecting but I didn't really need the Mushu character I didn't need the songs in there I don't think those were detriment at all to the film I just think that again on the surface there are things to enjoy about it like the Mulan character like some of the action and the, the relationship between the father and the daughter which was big in the in the in the animated film and it was big in this film as well but I would have loved more to it and and I just didn't feel like there were stakes to it at all with Mulan. And it just kind of felt like it was just moving and didn't really have any kind of meaning to any of the of the characters. It just felt like, okay, we're going to this part, then this part, then this part, then this part. And I just didn't feel any weight to anything. So I think, again, on the surface, it's okay. But when you really look at it, it has a few problems to it. And overall, again, I gave it a, still a good score. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I still would recommend it. However, I would not recommend the $30 for it. I would recommend waiting until December 4th when it is accessible to everybody on Disney Plus in which you don't have to pay the additional $30. I think there are better live action retellings from Disney. I still really enjoy the Aladdin one. Jungle Book is an all-timer. Cinderella I really enjoyed. Those ones I would recommend more before watching Mulan. I think Mulan falls in the middle of the pack right there with the with Lion King. Even though it was a little bit better than Lion King, I would still put it in there with Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Christopher Robin. I, I would put it more in the middle than I think the top tier ones that I really did enjoy. Like again, Jungle Book, Cinderella, Aladdin to me was, was a really big success as well. So those are the ones that I prefer more than Mulan. But again, on the surface, okay, not bad. A little bit below my expectations. But when you really get underneath it, there are some major problems to be had with the film. And again, I don't recommend the $30 for it, but I definitely recommend giving it a watch when it does come out on December 4th. 
So if you guys are interested in Mulan, I hope this this gives you some clarity of, of where to go with it. And again, if you're not up to going to the theaters, this is definitely one, again, to check out. But I would wait a few months for it. And then the next one that I saw was the Charlie Kaufman latest on a Netflix called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. And it stars Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, and Tony Collette. And it was written by Charlie Kaufman as well. And it's basically the main premise that I can give for this movie is that it is about a couple that is going to Jesse Plemons' parents' house and that the girlfriend is visiting these parents for the first time. Yet on the road trip to that house, she is contemplating contemplating ending things with her boyfriend for reasons that we find out throughout the movie. And I am a big fan of some of Charlie Kaufman's work. I'm a big fan of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Becoming John Malkovich is a really good film. Aminoza is another great film of his that's animated. And so Charlie Kaufman goes back to live action with this film. And this is one that I needed some time to really think about before putting out any kind of review. And I'll have my social media reviews out for it soon. But I wanted to come out first talking about it here because I really just needed a few days to think about this film. And overall, it's a it's a very good film. I can't deny that this is a very well, exceptionally directed film. And it, within the script itself, the dialogue between the characters I thought was great. I thought, again, the direction was great. The performances between Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons were incredible. I don't know if it's Oscar worthy, but they were very good. And I think Jesse Buckley, again, like I said, when I talked about the preview of this film, is an actress to be looking out for who's on the rise of getting a lot of notoriety in this industry and she proves it in this film but the big thing with this movie that i really found it to be a detriment was i think charlie kaufman was getting a little bit too into himself when he talks about the universe and people's emotions i was into this film throughout it and i was i was wondering like what is this all gonna mean there has to be some bigger meaning to this and how it all kind of really ties together and it's a lot more metaphysical meanings and about humans and their emotions and their states and relationships relationships excuse me than these characters themselves i think when when you really kind of watch this multiple times i think you could find those meanings in the context but i don't think that this is something where it tells a straightforward story from beginning to end. It gets very avant-garde by the ending of this film. And I think Charlie Kaufman, who, again, I really love his writing. His direction in this was great. I just thought that the story by the ending, I was looking for that ending, that message. And I think for people, some people have found that message and they love it. But I just think that it wasn't told in the best way possible. There were things by the end, I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, what what am I getting at watching that particular scene? And there's one thing towards the ending where I was, I, I kind of was getting it, but at the same time, I'm like, this is just nice to look at. And I think, that, again, the visuals and the cinematography are great. And Tony Collette and, and David Thewlis, who play the mother and father of Jesse Plemons' character, are are, are really good and, and really kind of steal the scenes that they're in. They're, they're really more supporting characters that have maybe 10 to 15 minutes overall in, in screen time in this film. Maybe 20 minutes or so of screen time in the film. But... 
I just thought the story by the ending got a, a, a little off the rails a little bit and I was kind of getting a little confused and I think it is kind of metaphysical which Charlie Kaufman does in his films but in his other great pieces that he does I think they they stand out a little bit more and tell the story while also trying to give bigger meaning to what you're trying to discuss here. But I still enjoyed it, even though the, the ending does give me calls to pause. I still give it a 7 out of 10. I don't think this is going to be an awards-worthy film by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think this is just going to be another great Charlie, or not, I shouldn't say great, but another good Charlie Kaufman film that you can enjoy on Netflix. And there is better access to it. And I recommend a lot of his other films that are out there. That is, some of his work really is exceptional, but I think people that are big fans of his are really, really going to enjoy enjoy this film people like me who again are fans of his but aren't avid avid fans i think are going to be turned a little bit off by it especially towards the ending of the movie but i still give it a good score seven out of ten and and i recommend it for people who are fans of his as well and to check it out on netflix even though you might find the ending a little bit turned off i think you'll find the performances the the action the dialogue which is very engaging truly truly some great charlie kaufman stuff despite the ending of the movie. I still give it a 7 out of 10. If you guys have seen Mulan and I'm thinking of anything, what did you guys think of all of these two films? Let me know and leave your thoughts below. And the final thing that I want to talk about today is my annual weekend preview, which I forgot to get to yesterday, but I wanted to talk about it today. And there's only really one film that is out that is really going to gain a lot of headway, and that is the Broken Hearts Gallery that is set to drop in theaters this weekend. And this is a film that, like Tenet and Mulan, and being in terms of delayed releases, this is one that was going to be kind of at the time period in the summer, the first major studio film to drop before Tenet did in July and then August. And then Sony, after there were a lot more reshapes and delays in August, Sony decided to delay Broken Hearts Gallery to a date to be determined. And then about a, about two, two weeks ago, Broken Hearts Gallery was put on for September 11th. And we already had a trailer out for this. It is executive produced by Selena Gomez. And it looks like a cute romantic comedy. And from the reviews that I've heard, it is exactly that. This definitely intrigues me. And I think this is a, if you, if this was a Valentine's Day kind of thing, or, you know, if we were in a world where we didn't have COVID and if you wanted to go on a date night, this definitely sounds like a film to check out in that vein of really enjoying it. But again, I'm not going to say you have to go to the theaters. I haven't seen the film yet, but I just wanted to preview what's out there this weekend. And this seems like it has those intangibles in it as well. And I'm sure if you were to wait until it comes out on VOD, then I'm sure this will be another great date night movie to have as well. Whether you want to Zoom together or whether you're quarantining together, this sounds like something I think it could have made its way in theaters or on VOD and still found some really good success. So that is the film that's coming out this weekend, The Broken Hearts Gallery. I'm not really sure how well it's going to do financially in theaters because, again, I don't think people are really going to go out to theaters to see Broken Hearts Gallery. I don't, there's not really a whole lot of date night going or date nighting you can really do given the circumstances with everything going on with COVID. So I think this one will have a lot better success in, on VOD whenever that happens. So I think this one digitally will have a lot better success than in theaters. But what do you guys think about the Broken Hearts Gallery? If uh, theaters are open by you, are you going to see this film? Are you not going to go see it? Are you going to wait for it to come out on digital? Let me know 
and leave your thoughts. And guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, also check out these other cool shows on the podcast, such as Russell Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media when you get a chance. You can find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.